Ladies and gentlemen, who would have thought? Did you think we would be here? I didn't. I didn't think. Who would have thought? It is week one Sunday in the NFL. So if you are one of the 30 teams who has not played yet, you should be hyped. You should be jacked. If you are a fan of football, man, you got to be excited that football is back. I am so fucking excited that here we are. Week one Sunday, we've got live games going on, and I, I just, I couldn't be happier. So congratulations to all of us. Football is back. So right off the bat, for those who don't know, my name is Waldo Waldy. Welcome to the Regulators Podcast. If you have not listened to our previous episodes, I implore you, to go back and listen to them. There's some great insight in there, especially our draft preview episodes that we did. But here we are, week one, time to get into it. So I want to start your Sunday off right. We're going to break down every single game, talk about predictions, talk about outlooks for the season, and try to get you in that football frame of mind. So first off, we already had one game, obviously, uh, Thursday night game, Chiefs, Texans. I don't think that was really a surprise to anybody. The Texans looked for at least part of the first quarter that they might actually be able to hold their own uh, against the Chiefs, but then we saw what happened in the playoffs last year, so the Chiefs absolutely proved without a doubt that they are the defending champs and pretty much stomped a mud hole in Houston. Now, if you're a Texans fan, please... Tweet us at RegulatorsPod. I would really like to hear your take because as an outsider, it seems very frustrating that the organization doesn't seem like they care about winning. Now, I want to explain what I mean by that. Bill O'Brien is a fucking moron. And that sounds a little harsh, and maybe he's a nice guy, and maybe he's smart at some football things, but... Whatever is going on there, yes, he's been able to will that team to a division-winning team several times in a very weak division, uh, what has been previously, and Deshaun Watson is the truth. I believe in Deshaun Watson the way that I believe in Patrick Mahomes. I think that Deshaun Watson is the fucking truth, and to have that level of talent to have DeAndre Hopkins on that team and to be ascending and going in the right direction, but to continually leverage your future and to continually make piss-poor decisions seems counterintuitive for a team that supposedly would be trying to win. Now, I'm not trying to say that they're trying to tank or they're doing anything like that, but I feel like they're just incompetent. I think it's gross incompetent. You trade what is potentially one of the best wide receivers in the league for what equates to a turkey sandwich. They got David Johnson back when they could have had Leonard Fournette and Adrian Peterson for under a million dollars. Now, I'm not trying to say that Adrian Peterson is Adrian Peterson of old, but even Leonard Fournette. You mean to tell me if you had the choice between Leonard Fournette and David Johnson... And one of them would cost you 
you know, under a million dollars, and the other one you had to trade away your number one wide receiver for, that you would do that trade? And obviously those cuts came after the fact, but that's how the NFL season works. There's always surprise cuts. There's always people who are salary cap casualties. There are always people that the teams believe in the young talent and they decide to go in a different direction. I mean, let's not forget that Brett Favre was unceremoniously unseated in Green Bay because they knew what they had in Aaron Rodgers coming behind him. So the point is, you got Cam Newton that the Patriots acquired for nothing. So the fact that the Texans continue to make bad decisions and to give up draft capital. When they give up two ones and a two to Miami, essentially to get Laramie Tunsil, I know that Kenny still came in that trade, but they were really going after Laramie Tunsil. So to give up two ones and a two that is that is a lot of capital in today's day and age to give up for your team, especially for one player. I mean, hell, they could have drafted two Laramie Tunsils over the next couple of years, and one of them should have worked out, especially with the fact that they weren't winning the Super Bowl. I mean, unless they really believed that last year was their all-in and they were pushing all their cards to the table and they felt that they were a tackle away from a Super Bowl— which maybe, but that's still so much capital, so much risk uh, to put. So Texan fans, I would love to hear your take. Please tweet us at Regulators Pod. I want to know because I think you deserve better. I think that Deshaun Watson, if he's surrounded by the right talent and the right coaching and everything else like that, I think can be a superstar, if not the superstar in this league. So I think that the Texans' biggest opponent is themselves. To the flip side, you go to the Kansas City Chiefs, and what do we really have to say, right? The defending champs were the defending champs. Patrick Mahomes didn't have like a career night or anything else like that, but you know he made the plays. The rest of the team made the plays. There were some drops earlier in the game. Robinson dropped two touchdowns, I believe, um, but they were able to grind it out, and do what the Chiefs do. So great outlook for the Chiefs going forward, as everybody expected. I think the really nice thing was to see fans in the stadium. Granted, I think there was about 15,000 people in the stands, and sure, it's not going to be your typical 80,000 people screaming, but you know what? We heard those people, and you could see them. And I actually liked the way that they were spaced out, You know, rather than if you had, for some other reason... A bunch of fans in one small section because of the social distancing and them being spaced out it almost kind of filled the stadium up a little bit more um, I wasn't watching the game thinking oh look there's an empty stadium oh look there's nobody there and I think that's the point I think that's what the NFL is shooting for we know that they're going to be piping in crowd noise at a lot of games they actually did not do that at the Chiefs game because they had live fans there but they are going to be doing that. They are going to be having some cutouts and different things. And I think if the broadcast is done well enough and the shots are done tight enough that I think most of us will forget for small moments 
that there's a pandemic and that there's nobody in the stands and that this is a really weird situation. So I think it was a great job, but Sunday Night Football crew, who obviously did the Thursday night game, I mean, I, I feel they are the superior team in broadcasting, bar none. So it used to be Monday Night Football was the big deal. Now, it seems for the past three to five years, Sunday Night Football gets the best matchups. They have the best broadcasting team, regardless of what you personally feel about Chris Collinsworth. Either you love to hate him or you like him. So I, I personally am a fan. I know a lot of people aren't. They, they feel he slighted their teams once or twice or they don't like every time he says, now nah, here's a guy. But you know what? I love the team between the two of them. I think it's great broadcasting. Um, and the overall production value is just amazing. My favorite thing about the Sunday Night Football crew is as they're going away to commercial breaks or coming in, they'll play instrumental versions of songs that are relevant to either the game, the team, the players. And they're very subtle, and you could miss them. But a lot of times they, they play these songs and you're like, well played. I see what you did at NBC. I see you. So, great Thursday night game. So glad football is back. So, let's get into the rest of the matchups that we have. So, first and foremost, I'm going to start with the Dolphins. I am unabashedly a lifelong, blood in and blood out Miami Dolphin fan. So, as much as I love the NFL and I love football, I have no shame and I do not intend in hiding my Dolphin fanship. So, that being said... The very first game that we have is the Miami Dolphins against the New England Patriots. Now, is there a little bias in this prediction? Sure, maybe. But you know what? I think I could get at least 50% of the NFL world to agree with me on this one. So, last game that Miami played, they played in New England. New England had a bye week on the line. It was the last game of the season. And they were playing the Miami Dolphins at home in Gillette Stadium. Easy W, right? Especially when you figure that half of the Miami Dolphins team last year was undrafted free agents. So what did the Dolphins do? They went into Foxborough. They kicked the Patriots' ass. They sent them to Tennessee for a round one playoff game in which they ultimately lost to the Tennessee Titans. Now, I believe that the Patriots have gotten worse and the Dolphins have gotten better. It's just that simple. The Patriots lost Tom Brady. They had eight players opt out due to COVID. They lost half their defense. The Patriots have not gotten better. They've added Cam Newton, which hopefully can be a serviceable replacement for Tom Brady, which I believe. And that's it. Like, they haven't made any huge splash acquisitions. Now, granted... I will give credit where credit is due. Bill is always that guy who's got seven guys waiting in the wings that are depth guys that you've never heard of that just step up and do their job. However, I still believe that those teams that never look good on paper for the Patriots, they still have their Patrick Chung, their Tom Brady. They still have their Kyle Van Noys. They have their leaders on defense. They have certain pieces, and then, yeah, Everybody plays in Bill's scheme and steps up. The Patriots have gotten worse. That doesn't mean they can't win. That doesn't mean they can't play. I'm not predicting they go 3-13, and 13, but I'm just saying they have gotten worse. 
They're not as good as the team last year that lost at home to the Miami Dolphins with a practice squad roster with a bye week on the line. Now let's look at the Dolphins. The Dolphins have gotten better. Not only have they gone out and drafted for the future with Tua Tungavailoa and players that we know we will see down the road, but they immediately improved. They went out and they signed Byron Jones. They drafted offensive line. They drafted defensive backs. They went out and they signed Kyle Van Noy. They made a couple of splash signings. And the Dolphins have gotten better. Not to mention, now it's year two in Coach Flo's system. So now there's a little bit of continuity there. There's a little bit of uh, repetition and understanding things for the veterans who are coming back. You talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a world beater. He's not going to go throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns. That's not his game. But he is a great game manager, and he is going to take shots. He's not afraid to take shots. Now, you add that they brought in Chan Gailey, who is his former OC, that he understands Chan's language, he understands what he wants to do, and it still is under Coach Flo's overall system. I think this is going to be a step-up year for Fitzpatrick, much like we saw in Tampa before he departed. But all things being equal, I have the Dolphins winning week one. So Tom Brady, the Newton lady, dumpster baby, don't matter. Fins over Pats, week one. Next up, we have the Jaguars facing the Colts. And I feel like this season is all about Khan saying, Ermager, draft picks. They are having a fire sale in Jacksonville. And again, we talk about teams whose fans deserve better. Jacksonville, at me, at Regulators Pod. You want to talk about it? How do you feel? Because I feel you deserve better. I feel the fact that Jacksonville pretty much gives away tickets to their games and can't get anybody to go tells you everything you need to know. I know a couple of years ago, for like $25, you could get tickets to a game and free beer. And they were lower bowl tickets. It was... There's... Nobody wants to go to Jaguars games because if the organization doesn't care about winning football games, why should the fans care? So you've got an owner who talks about possibly moving the team to London, and he loves those London games, makes a bunch of money when the team goes over there. But again, what are you doing for your base in Jacksonville? I'll tell you what you're doing. You're taking a team that in 2017 was able to make it to the AFC Championship game with Blake Bortles as your quarterback, and you proceeded to jettison all of the talent that you had on that team. Jalen Ramsey, gone. Yannick, gone. Leonard Fournette, gone. Do you want me to keep going? They are having a complete fire sale, and it's obvious to everyone that the organization itself is going to do its best to tank for what I can only assume is Trevor Lawrence. Now, I'm not against management trying to position themselves and better themselves, especially if they realize that, hey, this is a lost year, our quarterback went down, something happened, it's not going to be it for us this year, but let's build for the future. 
But you have to do that in one year. You have to push all your cards to the table. You can't start jettisoning talent over three years and then just suck and suck and suck and expect fans to be loyal and try to grow your brand. It's, it's, you can't do it that way. So the fact that each year they seem to be getting rid of more talent and they refuse to address the quarterback, they thought maybe they hit gold with Minshew Magic last year. But let's be honest, I'm rooting for Minshew. I'd love to see him step into a, a starting role, but he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Aaron Rodgers. We know this. So what does that mean? Is Minshew going to do well enough to win you four games this year? In which case, now you're going to have to trade a ransom of whatever picks you have and that you've acquired to try to get up to that first overall to select Lawrence, if that's truly who you're targeting. So I don't really know what the Jaguars are doing. I feel bad for their fans. Um, to get that close to a Super Bowl with that strong of a defense, you know, Saxonville. If you could have plug and played any quarterback into that system and kept the nucleus of that defense together and your run game and everything else you had going on, why couldn't you have made a push for a title? So another organization that I just feel doesn't have it together, it's going to be a long, long season for Jacksonville fans. So I apologize to you. I hope that somehow the organization gets their shit together and makes it right for you guys. Maybe Trevor Lawrence is the answer and it'll all be worth it. But easily Colts over Jacksonville. Colts got better this year as well. They added Phillip Rivers. Not that Jacoby was a complete slouch, but... We know that Rivers is obviously an improvement. I think T.Y. is going to have a bounce-back year. I look for them to air it out often and all day long. So could be a long day for the Jaguars. Good luck. Speaking of organizations that need to get their shit together, we have the Washington football team facing off with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I'm sorry to everybody who is a Washington football team fan. Um, but this is not news to you. You guys need to get your shit together. Is Dwayne Haskins the answer from a quarterback standpoint? I don't know. Could be. Guess we'll find out. But the running back situation looks abysmal, and everything from a front office, not even football-related, has not gone their way this year. A lot of kind of just outside noise, which always affects the team as well. And the Philadelphia Eagles aren't that far removed from winning a Super Bowl. Now, will Carson Wentz be able to take them back to that promised land? I don't know. We'll have to see. But the Eagles should be able to easily handle business in week one. Philly over the team. If you've taken a look at the schedule, you also know that the Lions are playing the Bears. Oh my. So, this is going to be an interesting one. Um, I do have the Bears projected as the winner, but can you imagine spending over $20 million to go acquire Nick Foles to bring him to Chicago and then still have Mitch Trubisky be your day one starter? 
Now, I get it. There's no offseason. There's no preseason. But you've seen the Mitch Trubisky experiment. We've all seen it. We've seen that the two quarterbacks playing on this previous Thursday night obviously outshining the quarterback that you traded up to get. You could have had Mahomes. You could have had Watson. And you said, no, no, let's go get that Mitch guy. And for whatever reason, it's not working out. Mitch Trubisky is not the answer. I think, much like a lot of other quarterbacks that sometimes move on to better places and do better things, I think he needs a change of scenery. You obviously believe that too, or you wouldn't have gone out and gotten Nick Foles. Maybe you thought you could trade Mitch, it didn't work out in your favor, I don't know. However, having said that, I still believe that the Lions will find a way to lose this game. Now, I'm a big believer in Matt Stafford. You've seen the stats. Through the age of 30, practically no one has done as much as Matt Stafford has done. And, you know, I, th I think that they have some pieces. I'm still, jury's still out on Matt Patricia. I don't know if, as a head coach, if he's got what it takes. Um... But despite my belief in Matt Stafford and would easily take him over the quarterback room in Chicago, I think that the Bears find a way to pull this out. Um, not sure what's going on with the running game in Detroit. You've got DeAndre Swift, who is he healthy? Is he not? I think he's the long-term solution there. But Kerryon Johnson, is he hurt? Is he not? There's a, there's a lot of question marks we don't know. And again, this whole not having preseason, all the stuff that you already know about. I'm not going to rehash, but that's going to cause some issues there, which is probably why, obviously, Mitch Trubisky is starting. But despite Mitch, I'm picking the Bears week one. Lock it in. Now, I feel as I'm doing these projections, every week I'm going to have half a Twitter angry at me, half a Twitter thinks I'm doing okay when I pick their team. Listen, they're just projections based on the information that's available. If your team currently sucks, then I'm sorry. That's not my fault. I didn't do that. I didn't make the management decisions up front. I didn't shit away your draft for five years. That's just how it turned out. And you know what? If I'm wrong, then please, in week five, week six, when your team is four and two and first place in the division, if I projected them to lose every week, then at me on Twitter. We can have it out, and I will gladly admit that I'm wrong. But until then, these are the predictions. Jets, Bills. Come on, Jets fans. Listen, obviously, we've had a tumultuous relationship. I'm a Dolphins fan. You're Jets fans. We don't see eye to eye on things. But if you don't think that Buffalo is the superior team heading into that game, then I don't know what to tell you. And you know what? I never thought that I would feel bad for Jets fans, but man, you gotta get Adam Gase out of that building. Adam Gase is just gonna continue to destroy your team. I don't know what we have in Sam Darnold because the quote quarterback whisperer hasn't whispered shit in years. I think he was riding the coattails of Peyton Manning and Miami got duped, then the Jets got duped, and... His 
offensive scheme is garbage, which is why you can take a Le'Veon Bell, you can take you know, a lot of players that could have potential and just do nothing with them because you're going to do these third and nine bubble screens. You're going to do these toss sweeps on, on second and 14. Like, I, I don't know how to express what is going on in, in New York and with Adam Gase and everything that's happened there. But Jets fans, it's going to be a bumpy year for you. I think you have enough talent on the roster to win five or six games. Maybe more. I don't know, but I don't see it going well for you this season. Either way, you're going against a playoff team in Josh Allen. I don't believe in Josh Allen's deep ball. He needs to clean up his accuracy, but his ability to run, create issues with his feet, as well as everything else that's going on there with Buffalo, I have Buffalo easily handling the Jets week one. Mr. Joey B, the Burrowmeister himself, under center for the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, I'm not expecting too much out of young Mr. Burrow on Sunday. You guys already know, no offseason, no preseason. I think it's going to take him a while to get acclimated, catch up to the NFL speed. I'm sure he's got a lot to learn, but who knows? Maybe he'll he'll shock us. Maybe he'll surprise me and he'll ball out in week one and be smoking one of those victory cigars after the game. However, I'm not banking on it. I think it's going to be the Tyrod Taylor show. I think Anthony Lynn is going to have those guys ready to go. LA Chargers over the Bengals. Speaking of teams that play at SoFi Stadium, we have the LA Rams taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I think that we have a lot of Cowboys haters in my mentions. And I get it. For past decade or so, they've been kind of the most talented team to not do shit. And they have one of the greatest owners in the NFL in a lot of aspects. They have had superstar players, but they can never seem to really put it all together. In the years where it seems like it's finally their year, something always happens and it goes awry. Now, I think that bringing in Mike McCarthy was huge. I think it was great move. I think um, I think Cowboys fans, you know, as a fan, and we all kind of do this, but when you get a new coach in, you start believing in him, you read the articles, you look at what he's done in the past, and you start hyping yourself up, and you're like, this is our year. It's going to be our year. We're all guilty of it, right? Except for some of the pessimists who have just resorted themselves to failure and will never believe in anything. But overall, we want to believe in the hype, right? I don't think this is hype. I think Mike McCarthy is going to take the Cowboys to 12 wins. I said it. I think it's a possibility. Can the Cowboys still end up being the Cowboys? Sure. But I think it's going to happen. I think they got the right guy in the building now. And that is one of the reasons why I have them over Sean McVay and the Rams. 
Remember a couple years ago when the NFL fell in love with Sean McVay and if you had a ham sandwich once in an airport and saw Sean McVay walk by and yelled hi to him, the NFL would give you a job? Well, old school is back. Mike McCarthy is going to handle business with the Dallas Cowboys and it starts week one with a win on Sunday night football over the Rams. Let's go. Now, having said that, I do want to also add that I'm not sleeping on the Rams. I have not checked out on them yet. I still believe that Goff can get the job done. I think McVay, even though he's a player's coach, which I have my opinions about at times, but I think that the Rams can get it done. I think that they can be very competitive. They're in a very tough division, which is kind of part of that uphill climb, but I am not crapping on the Rams. I do have them losing week one, but I look for them to surge and for Jared Goff to remind some people I am not Ryan Gosling. I am a quarterback in the NFL who got my team to a Super Bowl and I can get my team back to one. And if you don't think that Jared Goff looks like Ryan Gosling, you need to get your eyes checked. I want a blood test, get a DNA sample, something happened there. Moving on. There's no reason to discount double check. We've got the beginning of the Aaron Rodgers Revenge Tour starting this week. I think when that man saw Jordan Love drafted in April's draft, he lost his ever-loving shit. And for good reason, because his team is in that window where they can win a championship. And he said, I don't know. You know it would be cool? Maybe an offensive weapon. We haven't drafted any in the first round in like forever, so that would be nice. And they said, nah, how about a quarterback that'll probably take your job at some point? I think that Aaron Rodgers is going to go out and smoke people. I think he's going to light it up and he's going to give zero fucks this year. Look for Aaron Rodgers to be an MVP candidate this year. So... I have the Packers over the Vikings week one. Congratulations to Dalvin Cook, who just signed a massive extension. They talk about the running back market being down. You look at Fournette and these guys that get cut, released, traded, things of that nature. We had two huge signings over the weekend of Alvin Kamara getting an extension and Dalvin Cook getting an extension. Tens of millions of dollars paid to each. Still waiting to see the breakdowns of all the guarantees and everything to see where the team outs are, but Minnesota has locked Alvin Cook down for quite a while. Um, I think it'll be a competitive game. I think this is one of those games that could be high scoring, um, but I got Rodgers pulling it out. So Packers over Vikes, week one. Which brings us to the Oakland Raiders. Facing the Carolina Panthers. Now, obviously, the Carolina Panthers are going to look a little bit different this year. Christian McCaffrey still in the backfield, but now you've got Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. They brought Teddy in. They believe in him, signed him to a long-term deal. Now, Teddy versus Derek Carr. Derek Carr is another one that I think that I still don't understand there, there are times where I see him play games outside of his mind, and I'm like, that's the guy. That's the guy that the Raiders saw. I, I get where they see the potential. 
And then I see other games from him where he's not like Ryan Leaf bad or Jamarcus Russell, but he's just doesn't do anything that great. And, you know, I almost feel it's interesting. I feel that he pulls great plays out of his ass either in the fourth quarter or when it's third and 13 more than he does when it's just first and 10 and you you just got to complete a pass. I'm not sure how that works out, but the Raiders the Raiders are a team that I believe when the Raiders are good, it's great for football. There are certain teams that just make for Sunday night, Monday night football matchups. You love to see that Packers Vikings. You love to see the Raiders Chiefs if both teams are relevant. You know, there's a lot of teams that if the Packers are good, if the Cowboys are good, if the Steelers are good, if the Raiders are good, it reminds you of those old dynasties. It reminds you of those old battles and people love to renew those rivalries. So I would love for the Raiders, especially with that gorgeous stadium. Y'all talking a lot of shit like it looks like a Roomba or a toilet bowl without the lid and whatever. But I think that is a gorgeous stadium. And you know what? We should all be so lucky to have stadiums like that. Now, granted, Cowboys fans have Jerry World. The LA teams have SoFi. There's Atlanta, there are a handful of teams that have made some beautiful stadiums recently. But there's at least half the league that's been playing in stadiums that are from the 90s or even older since the last time they had a renovation. And they look like garbage. They're falling apart. And these are billion-dollar organizations that, what, don't have it in the budget to rebuild a new stadium because... They want county tax dollars or state funding or they're not going to do it. Why can't you just be like Stephen Ross? He asked for money from the city because they built the Marlins a new stadium. And he said, hey, why don't you help us? And then we'll help you out to host events and bring money into the county and all of that. And they said, nah, we're good. So he said, fuck you. I'll spend my own damn money. And he did a $600 million renovation to Hard Rock Stadium out of his own pocket. He's got the money, as most of these owners do. So, putting all of that aside, I think that it's a gorgeous stadium in Vegas. And I, for one, will be running to go out and see a game there whenever we get the opportunity. I know they're not going to have fans this year. Very unfortunate, as it's supposed to be the inaugural year of that stadium. But... I would love for the Raiders to return to relevancy. Would really like to see it. I'm sure the Raiders fans would as well. They've been through so much turmoil and between the Oakland and the LA and everything else and Al Davis, just bring the Raiders back to relevancy. Um, I don't think it's going to be this year though. So that's why I have them losing week one to the Carolina Panthers. I'm excited to see the Matt Rule experiment. We know that a lot of these coaches, that they come from the college ranks. Some have success, some don't. Maybe I'm giving them a little bit too much credit too early. Everything's unknown this year. The first four weeks of the season are going to be such a shit show that who knows, the Jaguars could go 4-0. But we'll see. Now, before we get into the Browns and Ravens matchup, 
I need to talk to y'all for a minute, okay? We need to have a little come to Jesus talk. So, Odell Beckham Jr. was trending earlier this week, and it wasn't for a good reason. Now, I get it. Whenever something sensationalized happens, we all want to pile on and make jokes and talk shit, and I am guilty of it too, right? I'm, I'm sure that somewhere at least once I did make a reference to a number two joke or something. Having said that, if y'all believe that Odell Beckham Jr. did what these girls on the internet are talking about and what they're doing, man, y'all gullible as hell. Somebody obviously wants some clout. Somebody obviously wants some attention. Because first of all, let's pretend that you run in those circles. Let's pretend that ballers are flying you out, you know, to come visit them, meet them at the hotel room, whatever. If you want to remain in those circles, the last thing that you would do is blast one of those guys, put that stuff out on media about, yeah, this person asked for this stuff and we did this stuff. And I'm not even repeating it because not only is it just plain disgusting, but it's, it's just such lunacy that I'm not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna perpetuate that BS. If you don't know what it is, you can go see why he was trending, but in reality, I'm not buying a word of it. Now with that in mind, I will say that if you were to try to convince me that Robert Kraft, owner of the Patriots, was down in some seedy massage parlor in South Florida getting $50 rubbing tugs, I would have said you're fucking nuts because he can pay people to literally just drag hot women to him, so why would you do that? So I guess technically anything is possible, but I'm still not buying it. So having said that, let's get back to the predictions. The Browns are going to be in for a shitty season. No pun intended. But that's just the nature of being a Brown. Feel like you know that when you get there. For the fans, again, you deserve better. I would love to see Cleveland be relevant. I would love to see the Browns return to some semblance of winning. Because again, they're historic. You talk about Jim Brown. You talk about the fact that Paul Brown, what he did for the NFL and for the Browns themselves, and then what happened with the Browns being sold and moved and all of that garbage. People in Cleveland, if you know someone who is a Cleveland Browns fan, check in on your people, man. Just once a week during football season, send them a nice little message and be like, hey, I'm proud of you. Because you know what? To rep a team like that, that hasn't been relevant in forever. I mean, we thought that one season of Vinny Testaverde showing something might be a return to promised land. And most of you listening to this are probably too young to even remember Vinny Testaverde. But the Browns organization should be held to a higher standard to what they've been delivering. But with the difference of other teams, 
that have either gotten into these tanking processes or just made bad deals, trading away players for ham sandwiches. Um, I must be hungry. I don't know why I keep talking about ham sandwiches. But I don't believe the Browns are trying to not be relevant, right? You look at the acquisitions that they have made over the past five years when they landed Jarvis Landry, when they had Jabril Peppers, when they had a lot of these people that they were bringing in, David Njoku, they were starting to get talent all over the field on offense, on defense, Joe Hayden. They had a lot of players that could ball. I mean, these guys could ball. When they got OBJ, it was a coup. You're telling me that two guys who were setting the records back and forth their first year in the league, second year in the league, third year in the league, as far as the amount of yards and receptions and everything through the first couple years of their careers, these guys are on the same team? So Baker Mayfield has got two premier wide receivers, and then you're going to pair Nick Chubb in the background, and oh, through some unfortunate events, Kareem Hunt ends up on our team? and all the other talent that you've got surrounding them on defense, why is this team not relevant? And you look at the seasons where they won like one game in two years, and then, you know, they, they've gone through so many coaching changes where their coach gets 16 to 20 games at best, and then that's it. Wipe the slate. New team comes in. Everything gets reorganized again. They need some consistency there. Now... Do they have the right people in place in management now? I don't know. We'll see. I know that they're acquiring talent. They're acquiring talent like nobody's business, but it has to translate to wins on the field. So that is not going to happen week one. You play in the Ravens, man. I don't know what you want from me. If you are a Cleveland hopeful and you are part of Believe Land, and you want to say, hey, nope, we're going to knock the world on its ass. Good. Do it. Because you know what? That's the optimism you have to have to remain a Cleveland Browns fan. There is nothing else for you but to believe and to hope that this will be the year because they're trying. Everybody out there is trying, but it needs to come together. I don't see it happening week one. Lamar is going to MVP all over the Cleveland Browns, and I have him starting in my fantasy. So, Lamar, get as many points as you want. Do what you need to do. Mark Ingram, I still believe, is going to be a huge part of that offense. I know everyone's talking about J.K. Dobbins, but you're talking about a top premier back in the league's best rushing offense last year. They're not going to just put him to the side. Will you have some lightning and thunder? Sure, sure. But this idea that Mark Ingram's going to lose the starting job by week four is total nonsense. And the fact that the Ravens were as good as they were and were clearly the best rushing offense in the league last year and then added J.K. Dobbins, man, bunch of y'all about to catch that smoke this year. It is going to happen. So be prepared. You cannot stop the Ravens. All you can do is try to keep up with them, try to slow them down. If you have a team that can run the ball effectively and try to keep the ball out of Lamar's hands and out of Mark Ingram's hands and J.K. Dobbins and Hollywood Brown and all those guys, that's your only hope because I have the Ravens 
winning more games than the Chiefs this year. And I think the Chiefs are a damn good football team. So, Ravens over Browns, week one. There's your lock. Now, you want to talk about hype for week one of a season that many of us weren't sure would ever happen. Let's talk about Drew Brees versus the GOAT Tom Brady. And before you come at me on Twitter for calling him the GOAT, listen, I personally, Dan Marino will always be my guy. Favorite quarterback of all time, one of the best to ever do it, right? And to try to compare people from different eras is subjective. But right now, right now in the league, at this point in time, Brady's the GOAT. He's got six rings, and he does it as good as anybody else. Is he fading? Is he heading towards the twilight? Maybe. But right now, you throw some respect on his name. And anyone saying, oh, your only argument is six rings, that's the only argument I need. I tell you what, if your quarterback playing in the modern era has even three rings, then come find me on Twitter and we can talk. If not, sit down. And once your quarterback achieves such relevance, then we can transfer the title. These things aren't permanent, but currently right now, the GOAT is in Tampa, and I know it's hard for New England fans, right? But we've all loved and lost. Happened to me recently. Tore my fucking heart out, but we gotta move on. We gotta go to the next step in life and, and keep churning. So, Tampa, hey, you get the GOAT, you get Gronk, you get Leonard Fournette, oh, and you still have Mike Evans, and you still have Chris Godwin, which Mike Evans, we're hearing some injury concerns. He was doubtful. Now he's questionable. We don't know. We'll have to monitor that. If you're in a fantasy league, pay close attention to that. They have weapons in Tampa. Defense, also decent. Was pretty damn good last year. So you pair that with someone who's not going to throw 30 interceptions, the Buccaneers are going to be competitive. Now, how competitive remains to be seen. This was actually a tough call for me for a game because as much as everything I just said, I still have the Saints pulling out week one. And I'm only sliding the slight edge to the Saints because of the consistency. Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, who just signed his mega extension after rumors that he might be traded or whatever. You've got the main core of your offensive unit coming back, ready to go to work. They're going to pick up where they left off. They're not going to skip a beat. And if the refs cannot screw them, then they might, you know, make a nice run this year. But slight edge to the Saints. Sean Payton is that guy. They're going to handle business over the Buccaneers week one. But I smell a close game, and I hope it will live up to the hype that we have built it up to be. It's an afternoon game, 425, I believe, Eastern Time. So if you've watched your 1 o'clock games, you should flip over and definitely take a look at that game. Now let's talk about a couple of NFC teams who definitely could have handled Super Bowls better, right? You've got the Seattle Seahawks, who... The infamous, infamous interception at the goal line that could have sent Russell Wilson into that next hierarchy of having two Super Bowl wins at a very young age. Not the best play call in the world. A lot of people 
still salty about it. If you had money on that game, you're really salty about it. You might have burned down a town. But they are taking on the Atlanta Falcons, which again, how do you blow a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl? I don't know. But you know what? The Falcons know. So they're facing off week one. Matt Ryan, for me, used to be a fantasy god and... I loved watching him go yard, but I don't know what I'm getting out of him anymore. The fact that the Falcons could even pull a bottom of the league year out of that roster amazes me, and it's put into doubt everything I feel about that Falcons roster. I mean, with Julio Jones alone and Matt Ryan, what, what more do you need to put up 30 points a game every single game and I get it defense is keyed on him but you had a lot of other talent surrounding them and then in the Seahawks case I've always been a Russell Wilson fan Russell Wilson is the man and I think what Russell Wilson did for the Kyler Murrays of the world for the Lamar Jacksons of the world I think that mobile quarterback that could still drop it on a dime. Some of the passes that Russell Wilson makes are just nasty. I mean, disgusting. Yes, he runs around and he buys some extra time in the pocket, but then he slips outside and he delivers these passes that are within inches of where they need to be in the back corner of the end zone, and you're like, there's no way that guy caught that. There's no way he stayed in bounds. How did you put that ball there? But Russell Wilson is the truth. So, I think you got two good quarterbacks in this game. Hopefully, we'll get a shootout. But, I do have the Seahawks over the Falcons. Week one, because of the inconsistency with the Falcons. I don't know what's going on with Todd Gurley. How his knee is really holding up. I mean, ever since that Super Bowl, Todd Gurley just kind of disappeared he's missing like we should put his face on a milk carton he has times where we're like oh there he is and then he disappears and he's gone and again talking about someone who was a fantasy god and is now gone if you don't have chris carson on your fantasy team you should and i am fortunate enough to be in a fantasy league with people who've been playing for 10 plus years we have a dynasty league everyone knows what they're doing but I see some of the screenshots from you guys' draft where you ended up with Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Jackson, Michael Thomas, Travis Kelsey, and I don't know what idiots you're drafting with, but I like free money, so you should send me a link next year to jump in those leagues. But if you're in one of those leagues and you don't have Chris Carson, pick him up. Definitely a top 10 running back. He'll get you your fantasy points for sure. The next matchup is definitely a tough one because you've got the Pittsburgh Steelers with Big Ben back heading into New York to play the Giants. Joe Judge, new situation there. Jason Garrett as the OC. That sounds like a bad idea to me, but okay. Um, Daniel Jones, still don't know what we have there. You know you've got Saquon. That's a surefire talent on the field. Pittsburgh, I don't know what Ben's going to look post-injury. Now again, Big Ben is not 24 years old anymore. So 
the way your body recovers from injuries, the way that you work your way through things, your body just reacts differently when you're older. Now, if I had to take somebody, gun to my head, I'm still taking Big Ben because I think an old hobbled Big Ben is still going to be able to lead his team. Now, that doesn't mean that I think he will throw for more yards or do better than uh, Daniel Jones as far as accuracy or something like that. But I think Big Ben is that wily veteran. I think he's going to rally the troops. I think he'll get the ball to Juju. Um, Connor, again, man, so inconsistent. He went from superstar first year on the scene when Bell left and they were like, oh, maybe it was just the O-line. And then... So... I have the Steelers taking the Giants down week one. But again, none of us really know. What is the offense going to look like for the Giants? Completely new system, new head coach, new coordinators. The Steelers, we know a little bit more what to expect. So that's probably where my bias is leaning and why I'm taking Big Ben. But you know what, Giants fans? Shock me. Boot me wrong. Show me that Daniel Jones is the guy that you got the right coaching staff in the building, and let's Saquon ball out for 160 yards, okay? Let's see what happens. Now then, we have the Tennessee Titans and the Denver Broncos on Monday Night Football. How do we break this one down? Well, Drew Locke, are you feeling yourself? Are you ready to put your big boy pants on? You ready to show the world what Drew Locke is capable of? Jerry Judy, is all of the information that we hear coming out of camp true? Are you really that guy? Is your route running that disgusting that people are comparing you to Keenan Allen already? Let's find out. You're going to need it because let me tell you something. Derrick Henry is going to run all over the place on Monday Night Football. If you remember when he made that 99-yard run last year, oh, you're going to see visions of that on Monday night because they are going to break his mane. He's a mutter. His father was a mutter. His mother was a mutter. He loves the slop, and he is going to tear it up. They are going to ride Derrick Henry for 2,000 fucking yards this season, and you had better be prepared. There's no Deion Lewis anymore. He's gone. So those little cute tosses out of the backfield screens, guess what? They're all going to Derrick Henry, who is going to have a blocker or two out in front of him and then see you. And he's not going to juke you. He's not going to run away from you. He is going to look you dead in the eyes as he keys on your ass and steals your soul. So Broncos, Hope you got some firepower to try to keep up. I think that the Tennessee Titans are going to win this game. So I've got Tennessee Titans over the Broncos on dun-dun-dun-dun Monday Night Football. Last but not least, your NFC defending champions, San Francisco 49ers against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I could easily tell you 
that the San Francisco 49ers are just going to run all over the Cardinals. I could easily tell you that even if George Kittle was the only wide receiver on the field, they would still win by 14. I could easily tell you that Jimmy G has such an amazing jawline that it will distract everybody on the Cardinals from their assignments and where they're supposed to be lined up. I could easily tell you that the 49ers are going to embarrass the Cardinals. But I won't do that. I'm just going to tell you that the 49ers are going to win over the Arizona Cardinals. But put me wrong, Kyler Murray. Show us why the Cardinals went out and got one of, if not the best wide receivers in the NFL and DeAndre Hopkins. You going to put that to good use? How about you, Cliff Kingsbury? We see you living that HGTV life in your Maxim spread house that you got out there we were all witness to during the draft. Why are they paying you that big money? Did you put together a team that can compete in that division? I don't know. Let's find out. So you show me that you're going to go toe-to-toe with the guys who went to the Super Bowl last year. And maybe, maybe I'll climb on board. But you got to do it. You got to put in the work because right now, I'm not a believer. I'm not a believer, but I love to be wrong. So show me that you can compete with the best, that you can shut down George Kittle, and you can take away what the 49ers do best. And then maybe we'll talk. Now that's going to do it for our week one predictions. But if you are not following us on Twitter, you are missing out. This week alone, we gave away cash. We're giving out an NFL jersey of your choice later today. We've given out tons of jerseys, cash prizes, all kinds of things. Follow us on Twitter at RegulatorsPod. But I'm not finished. All my regulators here? They said we wouldn't get here. They said week one of an NFL season is not going to happen. But that's what the world does, right? Everybody wants to come up with all the reasons, all the excuses of why it can't happen. And that's what the world will continue to do, is to try to give you reasons to quit. Your job is to stare defiantly back and say, I will not quit and I'm still here. It doesn't matter what the score is. It doesn't matter what the record is. If you riding with the regulators, then it's ride or die, bitch. I need everything you got all season long, but it starts today, right now. It's time to go to work. Let's go, yeah. regulators!